All this time, we've been worried the next war would be caused by artificial intelligence. Turns out the real danger is natural stupidity. You got that one right, brother. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Here I am. Yes, I'm stuck in the From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A. In Oregon on 91.7 KYAQ on the Central Coast, 106.7 KSO in Cottage Grove. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI 92.9. In Maui, Hawaii on 88.5 KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN 94.1. In Palinville, New York on 102.9 WLPP. In Grand Rapids, Michigan on WPRR. In New Orleans on WHIV 102.3. Washington, D.C.'s 105.5 FM. And Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day, so you needn't miss one single thrilling episode. On the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Deprogrammed Radio, Detour Talk, and Radio Sputnik. We blanket planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. Well, the Boy Scouts of America announced today that they will allow girls to join. So let the Twitter outrage begin. Am I right, Desi Doyen? Just one more thing for people to be outraged about that doesn't actually merit the outrage. Uh, But not here on the broadcast uh, where we try to focus on what matters, which is not easy these days, but we try. Tough call here on whether this matters or not, as Trump called today to uh, look into taking away (laughs) NBC's broadcast license. Uh, But what he was actually calling for was not actually taking away their broadcast license. What he was actually calling for was this. Frankly disgusting the way the press is able to write whatever they want to write. And people should look into it. The way the press is able to write whatever they want to write. He seems to be unclear on the concept of press freedom and the First Amendment and the Constitution and stuff. Correct. And by the way, it may be disgusting. You may feel it's disgusting what uh, NBC writes. And of course, he's he's angry because NY, uh, NBC reported that Rex Tillerson called him an effing moron recently. So uh, he's gunning for them. But yes, the press gets to write whatever they like. This is the guy who took an oath to protect our Constitution first and foremost. Apparently, he has not even read the Constitution. By the way, NBC doesn't have a broadcast license. Uh, They're a network. Oh, yeah, that's right. He's also unclear on how media works. How media, how the FCC works. Uh, Individual stations are, in fact, licensed by the FCC, and they have to 
or they're supposed to uh, demonstrate that they're serving a public interest. But no, NBC does not have a broadcast license. Someone ought to tell the president. So you see, it is not easy uh, keeping our eyes on uh, things that matter here. Uh, while I'm sure the president's latest tweets on whether football players must stand during the national anthem uh, is is terribly important, it's only somewhat less important uh, than whether a nuclear war breaks out, whether we can prevent the worst effects of global climate change before it's too late to protect and prevent against the worst effects of global climate change, whether Americans will still preserve their uh, free constitutional rights under a presidential administration with extraordinary fascist tendencies that someone ought to look into whether NBC can just say whatever they want uh, and uh, whether those free rights will include the right to actually vote such fascists out of office when the next opportunity presents itself. Uh, so trying to stay focused here on what matters, uh, after 58 were killed and some 500 wounded in last week's Las Vegas massacre, and many have moved on to other things, We'll speak with our friend, native Alaskan and proud gun owner Shannon Moore, shortly about that and um, about the Trump administration and their new push to overturn, I guess it was an, an EPA regulation, Desi Doyen, well, that protected... So, uh, no, actually, this? what this was was back in 2014, the mm -hmm. Obama administration, EPA, after years of study and great input from the community, uh issued a scientific determination that any mine in the Bristol Bay watershed would be bad for the salmon fishery that is so, there. So the, that was a rule, a that finding? Was, no, that was a determination. A determination. Yeah, it's basically a scientific conclusion. And what the EPA has done now is uh, Scott Pruitt has said to withdraw it. Right. Uh, we will talk about what he's doing there uh, that to undo the protection of this massive and crucial uh, salmon spawning area up in the pristine uh, Bristol Bay uh, to make way for copper and gold mining, despite the people of Alaska having voted to pre prevent it just last November. Uh, of course, many of them also voted for Donald Trump. So, hey, careful who you vote for, I guess. We'll talk to Shannon more about that shortly. In Puerto Rico, the number of those killed by Hurricane Maria and its aftermath has now risen up uh, nearly as high as the numbers killed in 10 minutes last week in Las Vegas. Uh, the death toll is now up to 45 in Puerto Rico, but there are still more than 110 people unaccounted for, according to Puerto Rico's Department of Public Safety. So that's 45 Americans killed, perhaps as many as 150 when all is said and done from this storm in a U.S. territory where 89 percent of the island is still without power. Nearly half of residents without running water, without running potable water. Three weeks now after the storm. Three Is that right? We're at three weeks yes. at this point. So despite Donald Trump's declaration of victory in Puerto Rico and that all is going great down there, you know, before moving on to other important things like tweeting insults to U.S. senators and his own secretary of state and calling for NBC to not be able to just say whatever they want. Recovery is still moving very slowly in Puerto Rico, according to the 
uh, well, according to officials down there and according to the uh, to the few corporate media who are still bothering to report from down there. CNN reports that hospitals have been running low on medicine and fuel to keep their lights on. Literally, uh, at least two people have died from leptospirosis. You know what that is, Desi Doyen? That's a waterborne disease. Yep. It spreads when the urine of infected animals gets into drinking water because people have been drinking from creek water contaminated by dead animals with uh, 40% of the island still without access to uh, to potable running water. As I saw someone say on, uh, on, on Twitter last night, imagine, imagine if 89% of the power... Of, of the homes and the and the people and the power in Des Moines, Iowa, was out for three weeks. Eighty nine percent of the power across Des Moines was out for three weeks. Do you think the the issue might be front and center in the U.S. corporate media at this point? For three weeks, ninety percent essentially of of power out across Des Moines. For three weeks, you think that might get some attention, uh, more of, attention than, than yeah. Puerto Rico? And loss of half of their drinking water, half the people access to drinking water? Of course it would. And uh, by the way, the population of Des Moines, I uh, looked it up, is uh, about 215,000. The population of Puerto Rico is 3.4 million. So imagine if there was no power to 90% of the residents in Des Moines for, for three weeks, but actually... In 14 U.S. cities the size of Des Moines, if they were out of power, 90 percent in 14 Des Moineses. Oh, and half of them had no running potable water either. There would be demonstrations in the streets. There would be calls for the president to resign in shame, I suspect. But hey, it's it's uh, Puerto Rico. So uh, what's happening down there? Never heard of them. Meanwhile, out here in California, where our uh, wildfires are still ravaging uh, large portions of the state, out of control wildfires still, particularly up north, the uh, the death toll up in wine country was bumped up to uh, to 21 killed in those fires that broke out on Sunday night, which have now destroyed some 3,500 homes and commercial structures. Many are still unaccounted for uh, in the wake of those fires, so that toll could still go up as well. The the de- the missing toll, uh, the list of the missing is over 500 now. So a uh, a record hurricane season, a record fire season, but Trump and his EPA director Scott Pruitt continue to dismantle any and all protections of the earth and its climate. Uh, and then uh, Trump seems dead set, as if all of that is not disturbing enough, Trump seems dead set on touching off a potential nuclear war at the same time. U.S. bombers are conducting drills off of off of both coasts of the Korean Peninsula. Now, again, imagine, imagine if North Korea or China were flying bombers off the West Coast and off the East Coast at the same time in the United States. It wouldn't even take uh, both coasts, just even West Coast. If they were flying bombers uh, off the coast of California, Washington, Oregon, you think we might be alarmed by that? 
Air Force B-1 bombers carried out mock missile launches off both coasts of the Korean Peninsula Tuesday night in the latest show of force against North Korea, according to South Korean military officials. Two bombers operating out of Anderson Air Force Base in Guam carried out the drills, U.S. Pacific Air Force uh, said in a statement on Tuesday. It said the U.S. airplanes, uh, warplanes, I should say, flew with fighter jets from the South Korean Air Force and Japan Self-Defense Force in the first nighttime B-1 bomber exercises between the three allies. Now, we have been flying these bombers off the coast for some time. This is the first nighttime exercise. Uh, The warplanes first conducted a simulated air-to-ground missile drill. Over the uh, over the e- waters east of the Korean Peninsula, and then flew over South Korea and conducted the same drill over the waters west of the peninsula. The South Korean military said. So these are air-to-ground missile drills. This is not like a defensive, uh, you know, the the THAAD missile system, which is supposedly supposed to shoot down missiles. This is air-to-ground missile drills. This is uh, planes shooting from the air to the ground, right off the waters, right off the coast of North Korea. I just, you know, I read this stuff and I think, uh, what, what would we be, what would be the reaction here in the U.S.? What would be the reaction here of Donald Trump if the same thing was going on off of our coast? The U.S. military statement said the exercise, quote, demonstrates how U.S. military forces in the Indo-Asia Pacific are always ready to defend the American homeland. The American homeland? Uh, And how the uh, I wasn't I, I didn't realize that South Korea and Japan were the American homeland and how the U.S. stands resolutely with Japan and the Republic of Korea. That's South Korea to honor their unshakable alliance. U.S. B-1 bombers flying from Guam have been seen regularly over the Korean Peninsula amid escalating tensions with Pyongyang, running regular training flights with Japanese and South Korean fighter jets that often provoke the ire of the North Korean regime. Oh, you think? ABC News reports that in late September, B-1 bombers flew the first regional mission this century north of the demilitarized zone. That's the line that divides North and South Korea. Those bombers were accompanied by U.S. Air Force F-15 fighters. So not just off the coast of South Korea, off Japan. This is north of the, uh, the, the divide between North and South Korea. This is off the coast of North Korea, as they will most certainly see it and justifiably so. The U.S. has a rotating squadron of long-range B-1 bombers stationed in Guam known as the Continuous Bomber Presence. Continuous bomber presence missions ensure the U.S., along with key allies, have a credible capability to respond to a variety of levels and types of threats throughout the Indo-Asia-Pacific region. According to an Air Force statement today, these actions are consistent with longstanding and well-known U.S. freedom of navigation policies that are applied to military operations around the world. And again, would the U.S. grant those same freedom of navigation policies if North Korea or China's bombers or really anyone else's were flying off the coast of California? Just asking. 
Uh, or would we be, uh, you know, making sure our missile defense system and our uh, nuclear weapons were ready just in case, just as North Korea has been trying to do? China, North Korea's closest ally, has suggested that Pyongyang freeze its nuclear missile development while the U.S. stop conducting military exercises with the South that raise fears in North Korea. But neither side is budging in the standoff, notes CNN. Donald Trump tweeted last week that North Korea has been, quote, making fools of U.S. negotiators for 25 years, adding that, quote, only one thing will work in dealing with Kim Jong-un. Uh, and his regime. He didn't he didn't say what that one thing was, but I think it's pretty clear that all of this comes after a, uh, a dinner with top military officials late last week that uh, Trump described as, quote, the calm before the storm, promising that uh, we'll find out what he means by that soon enough. Again, these things seem important to me. These same things seem like uh, the things we ought to be paying attention to instead of so much that the media tend to pay attention to based on uh, Trump's latest tweets. Um, of course, uh, North Korea has said that Trump himself is on a suicide mission against it. The country's foreign minister called the U.S. president, quote, mentally deranged in a speech at the U.N. last month. But that was just after Trump's speech at the same U.N. Uh, in which he described Kim Jong-un as being on a suicide mission. So I'm rubber and you're glue is apparently our foreign policy at this point. He promised to uh, Trump did to completely destroy the nation of 25 million people if Kim takes action against the U.S. or its allies. As we noted on the show yesterday, Trump's own CIA experts disagree with this claim that uh, Kim Jong-un is on a suicide mission. They argue he is solidifying power by standing strong against a perceived enemy, the uh, the enemy that we continue to project ourselves as night after night with these bombing runs, uh, with these military exercises on their very doorstep. So what could possibly go wrong? While the exercises on Wednesday focused on air power, U.S. defense officials have also told CNN that the aircraft carrier U.S. Ronald Reagan will conduct scheduled exercises with the South Korean Navy off the peninsula at the end of this month. Officials said the exercises are long scheduled. They are not in response to recent tensions, the officials say. But similar exercises in the past have prompted strong con condemnation uh, from North Korea previously. So we continue to keep our eyes on that. And yes, I am apparently, happily, not the only one concerned about how Donald Trump is dealing with North Korea, by the way. Uh, North Korea's nuclear weapons development is spooking most Americans, and two-thirds of them say that President Donald Trump's war of words with the isolated nation's leader is making the situation worse. Less than one in ten, less than one in ten, thinks Donald Trump's comments are making things better. Those are the findings of a poll of nearly 2,000 Americans by the Associated Press NORC Center for Public Affairs Research out today. The poll was conducted about a week after Trump intensified rhetorical exchanges with, uh, with uh, Kim Jong-un, dubbing him Rocket Man and threatening in a September 19th speech at the UN to totally destroy North Korea if the U.S. forced 
is forced to defend itself and its allies. The poll found that 65 percent of Americans think Donald Trump's comments have made the situation between U.S. and North Korea worse. 65 percent think that Trump is making things worse, including 45 percent who thinks he's made the situation, quote, much worse. Just 8 percent think that he's making this situation better. Uh, One of the people who I guess uh, is just fine with it, uh, somebody they quote in this article from AP, Mui Beltrumis, 67 years old of Evanston, Illinois. Uh, He dissented from the 65 percent who thinks uh, this is all being made worse by Donald Trump. He said that the uh, the North Korean threat is being blown out of proportion. He says, so long as we're looking at North Korea, we're not looking at problems in our own backyard. I think it's a nice, cheap political diversion. Well, that's a rational, kind of rational response, I guess. Is but it? Is it uh, kind of rational? Wonder, I mean, he's right that we need to be paying attention to stuff in our own backyard that actually matters. But I think this kind of matters, too. Well, it certainly matters the way that, I mean, it's one thing if you look at the actual facts, if you look at the actual danger that uh, Kim Jong-un presents, if you look at, you know, comments from, Uh, Donald Trump's own CIA, as we discussed uh, on yesterday's show, his own CIA experts who, you know, who say that uh, Kim Jong-un is not on a suicide mission. If you talk to experts in the region Uh, and yet it seems to be Donald Trump that keeps fanning this flames, keeps threatening, keeps promising uh, this is the calm before the storm. We'll find out what he means. Um, He really wants a war there. Or so it seems. Nonetheless, uh, let's go ahead and look at our own backyard. Uh, America's own great backyard is, of course, what? Alaska. Yes. And we have we do have problems there uh, where also the Trump administration seems dead set on making things worse. That story is next as we head up north to Alaska. Shannon Moore joins us. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the Bradcast. But we need your help to do it, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com slash donate today. That's bradblog.com slash donate today. And thanks. Oh, I love that song. That alone is good enough reason to have Shannon Moore on uh, just to hear that song. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. This year, John Sutter and Scott Bronstein write at CNN, 56 million sockeye salmon swam hundreds of miles from the ocean towards the river and streams of Bristol Bay, the Bristol Bay watershed in southwest Alaska. Many that escaped fishermen and bears leapt over waterfalls and used a mysterious combination of the Earth's magnetic field and their own sensory memories to locate the exact streams where they were born up there, and then spawned, made gravel nests for their young, and died. 
It seems like a heroic and perhaps tragic lifestyle, says Thomas Quinn, a professor at the University of Washington who has been studying fish in Bristol Bay for 30 years. The salmon's incredible migration also sustains people, CNN notes. Nearly half of the world's, nearly half of the world's sockeye catch comes from this one region, which is one of the last great salmon fisheries on Earth. The returning salmon and other ecological resources create some 14,000 full and part-time jobs, generate about $480 million annually, and support some 4,000-year-old Alaska Native cultures. For more than 15 years now, Northern Dynasty Minerals, a Canadian mining company, has sought to build a gold and copper mine in Bristol Bay. And this spring, the Trump administration took swift action to make that prospect more likely. Environmental Protection Agency head Scott Pruitt met in May, it turns out, with the CEO of the Pebble Limited Partnership, that's a subsidiary of the mining company. According to documents obtained by CNN last month, Little more than one hour after the meeting, according to internal emails, the administrator directed his staff to reverse Obama-era protections that he had put in place for Bristol Bay, which had been created after years of scientific review as well as strong activism by many in Alaska. Based on that work, the previous administration had aimed to preemptively veto certain mining activities in this ecologically important region. But that that all may be over now with Donald Trump in charge. Quinn, the University of Washington professor who has been studying the area for three decades, explains. This is the jewel in the crown of America's fisheries resources and salmon. If you don't think this is worth saving, what is? And if you don't think there's danger in this, you simply haven't looked at it carefully. And he went on to say to me, if you don't draw a line in the sand here, there is none to be drawn anywhere. You're saying that no resource, no matter how valuable, is off limits to development, no matter how obviously deleterious. Well, yes, that is what the dump, the dump, the Trump administration seems to be saying. Uh, There is uh, no resource valuable enough to protect. As John Nichols of The Nation tried to argue earlier this week on the broadcast, while the nation's media are distracted by Trump's Twitter feed, his dangerously coherent, yes, coherent and radical right wing agenda continues apace. Quinn's concerns were incorporated into a 2014 EPA report on Bristol Bay under the Obama administration. That report estimated the total mine site could be larger than Manhattan and nearly as deep as the Grand Canyon. And, as he told CNN, would result in complete loss of fish habitat due to elimination, dewatering, and fragmentation of streams, wetlands, and other aquatic resources. The losses, he said, would be irreversible. And it's exactly the worst place you could imagine to build a mine. Well, the Trump administration does not seem to care. Joining us now to discuss this, as well as uh, as well as the Alaskan take on gun safety issues, by the way, following last week's massacre in Las Vegas, is our old friend, Alaska born and raised, just like the endangered sockeye salmon, Shannon Moore, longtime progressive radio broadcaster, now searing weekly columnist for the Alaska Dispatch News. Oh, Shannon Moore, welcome to the broadcast. 
Oh, thanks so much. It's so great to talk to you again. It is great to talk to you again, and I know that uh, you're traveling around on some work and some vacation, not actually up in Alaska today, so thanks for taking time out uh, to speak with us. Uh, Shannon, I want to talk to you about Pebble Mine, which I know you have been fighting against for years, uh, a fight that I know many up there in Alaska believe you had already won. And I, and I also want to talk to you about guns as well in the wake of that massacre last week. Uh, so I, I'm even loath to ask you this question, uh, and I'm not sure I even want to know the answer, but I first came to know you, Shannon, during the presidential election back in 2008 when John McCain named the then-unknown Sarah Palin as his running mate. You were very instrumental in helping the rest of the country understand who this crazy woman actually was. We've all come to understand that now but you know what i haven't heard a peep from her for at least at least since november 8 of last year i think so as i said i don't know that i want to know the answer but whatever happened to sarah palin shannon other than in the footnote of history she should be called the gateway drug to donald trump (laughs) yes um you know the the personality politics if you remember she was she race baited. Mm-hmm. I mean, she absolutely was race baiting. Um, she didn't know why there was a North and South Korea. I mean, she she really made it okay for somebody completely unqualified uh, to be in such a position of power. And you know, she, she's nothing in Alaska now. Um, the last I heard, someone had seen her at Twist at, at um. Target, and they started yelling, oh my God, it's Tina Fey. I love Tina Fey. <laughs> and she got mad and left. <laughs> so, you know, she she quit being governor and um, for the most part went away. People aren't interested in quitters up there. Uh-huh. So, um, you I, know, she's still... I, I, I think that her influence... Um, you know, back in the day, I, I used to say, you know, Sarah Palin could eat a baby heart on television, and her followers would say, well, she needs the iron to fight the mainstream media. Yes. And, <laughs> you know, and then Donald Trump said, I could shoot someone in the middle of the avenue, and I wouldn't lose a vote. They, that, that's kind of what she started, and that's what we see on the forefront now. Yeah, you're right. I mean, in one sense, uh, I think it's it's good news that she's vanished because it tells us, oh, yeah, these nuts do eventually go away. But I fear that may only be the case because she's now been replaced with a nuttier nut who became president of the United States. Uh, anyway, Shannon, to uh, less nutty things, uh, you write in your column Uh, recently at at the Alaska Dispatch News that last November, the people of Alaska actually voted against Pebble Mine. Is is that correct? Do I understand that correctly? And if so, what authority is Scott Pruitt's EPA now using to to even open up uh, this this possibility, uh, this mine as a as a possibility again after all of these years? You know, it's, it's remarkable. Uh, Twelve years ago, the polling showed only about 3 to 5% of Alaskans even knew the term pebble mine. It had no visibility at all. One of our, our homegrown Alaskans, uh, Bob Gillum, who's a billionaire, he stepped up, and other organizations were there as well. Bob put his money behind uh, a, a campaign 
He ran several hundred thousand television radio ads, newspaper ads. Um, and we got the numbers from, you know, 4% at, at best to a 98%. Well, you know how big Alaska is, right? Yeah. I mean, there's not a lot of people, but they're spread out. Mm-hmm. And we had always had this philosophy that you can have resource development and your lifestyle, no matter what, because there's just, it's all plentiful. Well, in, in a 10-year period, with, with that campaign constantly for the, the, the hearts and minds of Alaska to realize our priorities, um, were, that we were going to have to choose. In this particular case of Pebble Mine, we were going to have to choose one resource, over the other. Were we going to choose gold over over salmon or salmon over gold? And, and just to be and, clear, and Shannon, salmon, Shannon well, he was this billionaire uh, who put out all of these ads, he was for or against this mine? He was against the mine. He was against the mine, so Absolutely. we had a billionaire who uh, came out and used his money for, 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 the, for uh, good instead of evil for a change. Yeah, he's a graduate of the Wharton School, the same mm-hmm. one as, as Trump. They mm-hmm. were classmates. And, and he's, you know, he's a capitalist. He's a Republican. He, he's very pro-development. But in this case, um, it, it's just, he was just like, no, this is unacceptable. And, and we switched from, you know, the whole state. There was a paradigm switch that happened that said salmon are sacred, and we're not going to trade them. And that was shown really evident last November when Every single precinct in the entire state of Alaska, some of them being thousands of miles, a little 1,500, 2,000 miles from, from Bristol Bay, they voted to protect salmon in Bristol Bay and that watershed, which is against Pebble uh, specifically. And that is, we've never had an agreement like that. And Alaskans are opposed uh, to that mine. You know, we always say, wrong mine, wrong place. And even people who are pro-mining in their own districts, um, nothing has been to this scale ever even proposed in North America. I mean, the dams that they want to have, you know, hold things back Mm -hmm. are taller than the Space Needle, four miles long. And and, and there's, there's just no way for our salmon to survive. And I think a lot of People, you know, California, Oregon, Washington, British Columbia, they're all familiar with salmon hatchery programs, right, where mm-hmm. they where they uh, raise salmon and release them into their rivers, and they go out to the ocean, they come back. Bristol Bay has zero enhancement. It's all wild. There's, there's no pen, there's no enhancement of, it's just, it's doing its thing, and mm-hmm. And there's no way for it to do it if this mine goes in. So if if the people of Alaska voted, as you say, in in every uh, precinct against this mine, uh, again, what authority does uh, the EPA, Scott Pruitt here, have to open this back up even as a possibility? Ha- what Was this a, sort of a non-binding resolution that was, that was on the ballot last November? Well, the, the resolution that was there basically said that it had to go through the state legislature, which the state legislature would never uh, pass it. This, What they're trying to do is just um, understand uh, Sally Jewell under Obama. They did a three-year study. It was a really intense study that they mm-hmm. did. They mm-hmm. came to the region. They listened to testimony. 
Barack Obama went to Bristol Bay. Mm-hmm. He went out there for several, I mean, he, he came to Alaska, I think, for four days, which yeah, is I remember a long that. time for yeah. him to be in one state. Yeah. He went out there, and he listened to people. And he, he went out with these women who were picking fish, mm-hmm. and 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 he, he holds up the salmon out of the net, and the salmon is so ready to spawn, and it's a male salmon, and it squirts this milk, it's called, right? It's <laughs> yes. fish sperm. It squirts milk on it, and this native lady starts laughing, and she says, he's very excited to see you. <laughs> yes, sir. You know, and... And Obama got so tickled and, you know, laughed about it. And, and people were like, okay, they've listened to us, they've done the study, the science they've done. Pruitt did none of that. He didn't even get briefed on what research had been done. Um, you know, he sits down with a mine exec, and the mine exec in his contract says if he even gets the permit through, he gets like a $12 million bonus, you know? Mm-hmm. He doesn't care about any of it. And, you know, I, I wrote about Brad. You know, I've been working against Cobalt Mine for 12 years, mm-hmm. and it's been my priority. I, I would talk about Sarah Palin if I could talk about Pebble, too. That was always my trade when I'd go on Maddow or right. Overman or whatever shows I was doing. And, and, you know, when we look back at this, at this fight and... and whether we've been on state level, we've done local ordinances, we've done local resolutions. Every time we've tried to deal with these people, um, they've just been shady as hell. At one point, they gave a $50,000 check to one of the former employees of the people that opposed Pebble Mine uh, to get a list of who was opposed in the state. Um, that's a bribe. You know, it's it's just been dirty all along, and and it was maybe uh, five or six years ago. I sat and had a meeting with these two guys that came up from DC that were they were going to come up and help push through Pebble Mine. Are, are so these are these the uh, are these the the DC lawyers you talk about in in your column? Yeah, they were exactly, mm-hmm. and so they came up and, and you know. They were from one of the Republican foundations back there. And so they, and I said, why are you guys even interested in Pebble Mine? Like, you know, I don't get it. And, and I'm telling, I'm trying to win their hearts and minds. And finally, one of them had enough wine to tell me the truth. Mm-hmm. And he says, you know what? You're probably right. They'll probably kill your salmon. And you're probably going to have a bunch of upset Eskimos. And you know what? We don't care. What we care about is the Obama administration using the EPA and this clean water rule, which has only been invoked several times, and to stop a project. All they cared about was the precedent that it was going to set if the EPA said no to something. Because then maybe they would, would have to leave some at least one mountaintop in place in West Virginia or something. And so this has been the pebble fight coming from D.C. and the Republican establishment. The reason that they've been pro is is because they don't want it to change anything else anywhere in the country. I mean, John Boehner came out and went fly fishing out there. All sorts of people have been out there, and they're like, wow, yeah, this can't happen. 
Yeah, you you quote that uh, those attorneys, one of those attorneys is saying what we care about and why we're joining this with this cause is we don't want you environmentalists to think you can win other places. We can't have that. So they recognize the harm it's going to do. They don't care. As a matter of fact, uh, maybe the harm is is part of it just to send the message that uh, you environmentalists are not going to rule the day. We are. We're going to win. Uh, Shannon, I got uh, just a few minutes here, but I, and I want to get to guns here. Uh, but it, it sort of underscores, you know, uh, when you hear the Republicans talking about states' rights, local government knows best. Well, here we have the people of Alaska saying they know what's best. They actually went to the ballot and voted against this nonsense, and yet... Donald Trump and his EPA and Scott Pruitt, who loves to claim that, uh, oh, this is, uh, you know, federal overreach. Well, that's exactly what they seem to be in favor of federal overreach, as long as it uh, is, uh, you know, for for their people, I guess, instead of uh, Democrats or instead of the environment. Um, Your uh, that that column is labeled Pebble is back. We'll defeat it again. I'll link to that at Brad blog. And uh, I want to point out that the public comment period on this uh, is until October 17th. I think you can go to the EPA uh, to the where is it? Uh, Oh, to regulations.gov if you want to put public comment about Pebble Mine, whether they'll pay attention to it or not. I don't know, but uh, I think it's a worthy fight. Yeah, absolutely. It's imperative that I mean, they made this a national issue. Um, and, and, and we have to, too. We have to respond that way. Alaska knows what we want, but the rest of the country needs to know this. And, it, and, and what people should know if they're like, hey, you know what? I don't even like salmon. Like, my grandma made the worst salmon, and I hate it. Like, it's not about that at this point. It's about right now the process was a CEO from a foreign mining company walked into an office, and within half an hour of the end of his meeting, Three years of science was ignored. And if that doesn't chill people to the bone, and then I don't know what, what will. Because it's, it's like, why don't you just put the thing on eBay? You know, it's just you're right. And it's not even states rights. This is a foreign country. This is a, a, a Canadian uh, corporation coming in and trying to do this. Uh, Shannon, I, I want to ask you very quickly about your newest column at uh, ADN regarding guns. Uh, you know, down here in the lower 48, we frequently hear that folks uh, who, who live in, in hunting country and the ruralist of areas like Alaska, uh, need their guns. And progressives like me just hate that. We we hate the Second Amendment. We want to take them all away. That's what we're told. Well, you're a progressive. You're from Alaska, from uh, hunting uh, territory, and I believe a gun owner. What is what is your response when, when you hear that, what I would argue is a false claim uh, about progressives' positions on guns? Well, I, I think that they... I think that... The NRA would like people to think that progressives don't have guns. We do. We absolutely do. Um, and where I live, you know, um, I, I need a gun. But I don't need an automatic rifle or a semi-automatic rifle or anything that fires the way that a gun that was designed to kill people does. If that were the case, I'd be a really crappy hunter. <laughs> and for me to walk in to the grocery store and get more than one box of Sudafed, I have to register with the state. 
for me to get a box of birth control pills, I could go first to a doctor who's passed all their boards, everything else, and mm-hmm. become a certified doctor. I've got to go to a pharmacist who's graduated from pharmacy school and <laughs> to get birth control. But if I want to buy bullets, I, I don't. Have, I can talk to you know Joe with three teeth at the hardware store, and he'll tell me who's who's buying up all the bullets. I love this. I I, I want to read this quote because it's a fantastic quote you have in your piece from uh, Brian Murtaugh. Is that how you say his name? Uh, Uh A 52-year-old Navy veteran uh, who says birth control and reproductive health services are harder to get than bullets. I want any young men who buy a gun to be treated like young women who seek an abortion. Think about it. A mandatory 48-hour waiting period, written permission from a parent or a judge, a note from a doctor proving that he understands what he is about to do, time spent watching a video on individual and mass murders, travel of hundreds of miles to get to the nearest gun shop, and having to walk through protesters holding photos of loved ones killed by guns, protesters who call him a murderer. That kind of nails yeah. it. That guy's good. He's a he's a Navy vet, right? Right, and and you know, there's there's been this really strange manipulation that this administration, the GOP, has been doing for years, where they they've co-opted the flag. Now, mm-hmm. if you take a knee during the national anthem, all of a sudden you're part of the Taliban, right? <laughs> and they've co-opted these symbols, and and. And it, it's just, at, at some point, Brad, it's like, we need some common sense. We do need some common sense. I'm, I'm fine with the, the Second Amendment. I'm fine with the First. But well-regulated gets lost in the conversation pretty quick. Well-regulated, yeah. And there is, uh, very quickly, before I let you go, there is a bipartisan bill now that was introduced in the U.S. House on uh, Tuesday that would ban... Uh, bump stocks and other devices on semi-automatic weapons to essentially emulate the firing speed of fully automatic weapons. This bill has been co-sponsored by 10 members from each part, from Republicans and Democrats. Uh, it would prohibit the manufacture, possession, or transfer of any part or combination of parts that is designed to uh, designed and functions to increase the rate of fire. Uh, to uh, convert it essentially into a machine gun. I'm dubious that this mm-hmm. bill will actually move forward. Uh, but uh, d- your thoughts, is this a, is this a notable break in the uh, logjam regarding guns in, in Congress? Will this move forward? And does it tell us anything about where the NRA is at this point following that massacre in Las Vegas? Well, you know, the NRA just needs to trademark thoughts and prayers. Um, you know, they're a, they're a lobby group for manufacturers. They are no longer an advocacy group for gun owners. Um, but I, I find it interesting that Congress, at the same time that they really don't want to do anything about guns, I mean, if we can have Sandy Hook and all these dead children and teachers and do nothing, we're not going to do anything over Las Vegas. But the fact that they want to take away mental health care at the same time to protect your gun rights, and we have... You know, yeah, we have these mass shootings. But we also have mass amounts of suicide from guns, and and it's just like I, I, it, it's hard to take them seriously that they're there to do anything good for the people, because it it sort of would seem like gun rights and mental health care should go hand in hand. Yeah, you would think. 
Uh, but uh, not so much, not uh, when these guys are doing the bidding of the NRA. Shannon Moore, native Alaskan and proud gun owner, uh, now columnist uh, for Alaska Dispatch News. You should read her columns. They're always uh, enlightening and amusing at ADN.com, and you can follow her on the Twitters at Shannon Moore. She spells her name ridiculously, S-H-A-N-N-Y-N Moore. Uh, follow her on the Twitter. Shannon, great talking to you, and, uh, well, it may not be long. I, I may be uh, coming up there to join you in Alaska. Hey, you're welcome. you got a spot anytime. All right. I'll bring my own gun. Thanks, Shannon. <laughs> All right. Take care, Brad. Okay. Uh, we'll take a quick uh, a, a quick break. I want to underscore again, however, the uh, what was the uh, deadline on that? Uh, the deadline to comment on uh, EPA Pruitt's uh, withdrawal of that determination, that is October 17th. That's, that's concerning ne- uh, Pebble Mine. That's concerning just Pebble Mine. That, yeah. This is for the public to get in and say, stop or whatever you feel about this, but that deadline is October 17th. That's next Tuesday. You have to go to regulations.gov. Regulations with an S dot gov and i also want to underscore one more thing Actually, and, and oh. let me uh, make one point on that you know uh, a lot of people think well what's the use they're not going to listen to us anyway that is true they may not listen to us anyway but after these uh, determinations uh when the media is able to go back and look at these public comments and see that oh uh 99 of them said this one thing and these guys did this other thing that is helpful. That is helpful in in the fight against this, because even if they make a determination, yeah, go ahead and build that uh, that that mine, build that pebble mine. Um, there will be court cases. There will be court challenges. They'll be able to cite the public comment and exactly. say, yeah. they can say, look, 98 percent of Alaskans and a majority of Americans likely are against this. But they can only do that if you make a comment. If you don't make a comment, it's not going to be there for anybody to use. There's one more thing one that's point, very yeah. important about this mine. As part of the preliminary plans that they've already talked about, this Pebble Mine Company wants to put all of the toxic mine tailings. That's all the mine waste and the debris. They want to build a giant mine waste pit that should last, as they say, in perpetuity. That means they expect it to last forever in Earthquake country. Yeah, I was going to say, good thing they don't have many earthquakes up there in Alaska. Yeah. Right? Right. Uh, Once again, what could possibly go wrong? A quick break, and we'll come back. Uh, Some new numbers on support, since we were also talking about guns there with uh, Shannon. Some new support on gun safety measures and uh, what the American public thinks. And these numbers may surprise you. Actually, I don't know if they will or not, but that's what they say on the media. So stay tuned for that. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast, both brought to you without corporate or political influence, because we rely on you to help keep us completely independent. Please drop by bradblog.com slash donate today and help us stay on your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com slash donate. You'll thank yourself later. I'll thank you now. When I was a child and I lived in the city I dreamed of Alaska 
so far away And I dreamed I was flying over mountains and glaciers Somehow I knew that I'd live there one day Well, I don't know if I'll live there one day Too cold, too cold But wild and beautiful uh, but not too cold for long, maybe. Uh, welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. They have been having, speaking of climate change, they have been having incredibly warm winters up and there in summers. Alaska. And summers. Oh, yeah. yeah. There have been times when Alaska and Anchorage has actually topped California as far as heat waves. Kind of crazy. Um, all right. Uh, I mentioned we had some uh, some new numbers here. This is from uh, Politico Morning Consult poll. This poll uh, also of uh, nearly 2,000 people showing that a majority of voters support stricter gun control laws in the wake of last week's mass murder of 58 concert goers in Las Vegas by a single man with nearly two dozen firearms shooting from the window of his 32nd floor hotel room. Politico notes that uh, on most of the proposals to regulate gun ownership, including background checks, restrictions on where Americans can carry firearms and prohibitions against accessories like the bump fire stocks used by the Las Vegas gunmen, large majorities, and that's an understatement, but large majorities expressed support in the poll that was conducted last Thursday through this past Monday. 64% of voters Support stricter gun laws, the poll shows, including 41% who strongly support them. 64%. Now, that's not even, all right, well, less than 3 in 10 voters, or 29%, oppose stricter gun laws. But 64% overall. That's when you're talking about, you know, in general, do you support stricter gun laws? 64%. And I want to say, oh, just 64%. Because when you ask about specific measures, you know, it's one thing to say, do you support stricter gun laws? Oh, yeah, no, I don't know. But then when you ask about specific measures, what these gun laws would actually be, the numbers are much higher, far higher. Try to run through this this list, which is kind of amazing. Requiring background checks on all gun sales, 88% support that. Preventing sales of all firearms to people who have been reported as dangerous to law enforcement by a mental health provider. 87% support that. Expanding screening and treatment for the mentally ill. 87% support that. Making private gun sales and sales at gun shows subject to background checks. 84% support that. To just 10% who don't. Preventing sales of all firearms to people who have been convicted of violent misdemeanors. 83% support that to 11% who oppose. And again, these are things that are not in place, that maybe a lot of people think are already in place. Background checks on all gun sales. They are not in place. Barring gun purchases by people on the federal no-fly or watch list. 82% support that. Banning the use of bump stocks. That allow a a shooter to fire hundreds and hundreds of rounds per minute. 79% support that. Requiring that all gun owners store their guns in a safe storage unit. Also widely supported by 77%. Creating a national database with information about each gun sale. This is something that uh, the folks on the right, the NRA, likes to say, oh, we, we, we can never have a national database of, of, of people who have purchased guns. Well, that might have prevented 
this idiot in uh, Las Vegas from being able to store, to buy up uh, with some 40 to amass semi-automatic an weapons, an arsenal, without anybody ever coming by to say, hey, well, what's up with that arsenal you have? You're one guy. Why do you need 40 semi-automatic rifles and pistols? So 76% creating that national database. 76% also uh, su- uh, support requiring a mandatory waiting period of three days after a gun is purchased uh, before it can be taken home. 72% of Americans, 72 versus 21%, support banning assault-style weapons. Banning high-capacity ammo magazines, 72%. I mean, these are just huge numbers. You don't see this in virtually anything else across the country when you poll in this very otherwise very split country. Banning firearms from schools and college campuses nationally, 69%. Limiting the number of guns that can be purchased to one per month. One per month, 70% agree. Limiting the amount of ammunition you can purchase within a given period, 69% agree. Banning firearms from all workplace settings nationally, 59% agree. Just huge numbers. Uh, And yet, we're not allowed to do any of this. Maybe, maybe they'll move something forward on, on those bump stocks. We'll see. As I said, I remain dubious. Uh, oh, here's uh, something that was not popular. Making it easier for people to buy gun silencers, also known as suppressors. Uh, just 24% support that. 65% oppose it. Nonetheless, despite those findings, voters still don't think the chances are high that Congress will act to strengthen federal firearm laws even after the deadliest mass shooting in modern American history, only 26% say there's an excellent or good chance of stricter gun controls passing Congress in the next year or so. All right, my thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to my guest today, Shannon Moore of the Alaska Dispatch News, and to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's show, download it for free anytime at bradblog.com. You can drop me email. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am simply the Brad Blog. My thanks as ever to those of you who support our efforts here by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate. Until we meet again tomorrow, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. <laughs>